<laughs> I don't get it. Get It, a podcast about contemporary dance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul, and we just huffed helium from balloons. This is pretty fun. <laughs> it's slowly going away. And I, that's still okay. ha- I still have more in this one. Oh boy, this is going to be the, the I Don't Get It podcast from space, in terms of our voices. <laughs> the blanket fort is now in space. Oh god. There it is. This is this is what the blanket fort sounds like on the moon. This is why they shouldn't give us balloons ever. <laughs> and by they I mean Andrew. Um, yeah, thanks Andrew. <laughs> what's going on? Um, we we saw some stuff and we want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we saw Paul Taylor dance, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We're like then, bucket list, bucket list dance group. Why bucket list? Because Paul Taylor dance is one of the well, Paul Taylor himself, I guess, is one of the last living. Um, choreographers of the modern dance era. You don't say. I do say. Great. Um, and what else did you see? You saw something else that I did not see on this this journey. Yes, I saw City Ballet. Which is um, our local ballet company. Yes, it's our local professional ballet company. Um, this is their fourth season as a professional company. Mm-hmm. And I saw their uh, season opener. The, bill, uh, the, the night was billed as Enigma. And it was two pieces. One was um, Mozart, uh, Mozart 42, um, which was more of a kind of like classical piece with mm-hmm. neoclassical choreography. And then the second half was uh, Leonard Cohen's Doorway. So it was uh, Leonard Cohen music. And um, it was, I was really impressed with uh, the Leonard Cohen piece. Um, the, um, well, let's, let's start there, I guess. Sure, yeah. Well, I think first maybe it might be good to follow up on where we left off with City Ballet sure, from great. last season. Um, they had gone on in a uh, through some changeover with their mm-hmm. artistic personnel, and Jordan Morris from the Royal Winnipeg Ballet was brought in at that time as an interim artistic director. Right. He is now there permanent uh for at least the time being artistic director he is um so jordan morris is well known for um his peter pan ballet and moulin mm-hmm. rouge he's was with the royal winnipeg for some time and so it's kind of interesting that we actually have now um our our local ballet company has a, a kind of a big name choreographer mm-hmm. um heading up their their artistic season great so so tell me about the, the the two pieces a little bit the Mozart and and the the Cohen so the Mozart 42 I guess if I could describe it in it in any way it was kind of it was a is a pretty ballet for the full core um, and they I think there are seven dancers mm-hmm. seven or eight dancers there were two two male and the rest were female um, and it was yes it was just a, like a very nice kind of Balanchine style um, pretty looking thing um the the music of course mozart was great um i didn't really i didn't really get much from the piece though okay. uh, i think there wasn't there there wasn't necessarily a narrative arc and um the the dancing itself felt a little bit like they were kind of counting it out and just waiting to get to the second half which was good um <laughs> that's the, the cohen we're talking yes, about the cohen. yeah the cohen um 
So uh, Jordan Morris choreographed Leonard Cohen's doorway um, for originally for the Royal Winnipeg. So they had borrowed the costumes for this production from the Win- the Winnipeg Ballet, and it basically went through um, eight or nine Cohen songs and um, had some really lovely parts. In particular, I liked the duet between uh, Nicholas Kolos and Gina Kim for "Bird on a Wire." Okay, that was a really great part. Um, kind of the first part in the show where there was actually like a really great emotion and relationship scene on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, really like that part. Um, uh, they did Hallelujah, uh, Andrea House, oh my God. Local the, musician Andrea yeah. House. Yeah. yeah, so she sang Hallelujah and it was, um, it was incredible. The woman, the woman has pipes. It was fantastic. And it was scoring um, a soloist on the stage. Um, the night that I saw it was Lydia Redpath who danced that part. Um, very nice solo, kind of just like a very lyrical and kind of m- mournful almost. Sure. But yeah, um, also it seemed really spiritual Great. in in certain ways. So um, really like that. Um, bang on Andrea House, you really rock. Um, so so <laughs> both of these pieces were sort of about about music in one way or another. They were both sort of mm-hmm. anchored by by their their chosen uh, composer yeah. or soundtrack. So so how do you think that uh, that affects uh, a ballet or affected these ballets? What could you sort of see in what? came through the music of them into dance. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, the with the Mozart piece, it definitely lent to having that more classical feeling and the style like was shown in the choreography for sure. Um, with the Leonard Cohen music, um, it was all it was all performed live. Okay. Um, and uh, it was, you know, I really like Leonard Cohen music. I'm just going to put that out sure. there. as So I was biased going in a little bit. Um, the movement actually lent very well to um, the type of um, songs that he does, which are very poetic and dense. And but, you know, uh, I think that I got more out of it because I know Leonard Cohen's music and I like it a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it kind of made me think, you know, with Alberta Ballet doing a lot of the, um, you know, they did the ballet with Katie Lang's music. They did the ballet with Joni Mitchell and the Elton, Elton John. John right? And those sort of like pop uh, ballets. Yeah. Where... Yeah. I just felt that like and and in all honesty, I haven't seen all of the Alberta mm-hmm. Ballet ones, but like this one, I felt that the Leonard Cohen um, poetry lent very well to the movement, and it was really nice to watch. The other parts that I really liked were, um, there was one actually spoken word part uh, that you could hear um, Cohen reciting a poem, um, and it was a duet between two men, which was, and the relationship was really nice between them. It was Sean uh, Gason, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, probably not, and Nicholas Colos again. And the, the poem, I think, was called Since You Asked. And, yeah, it was a really great part. And the Sisters of Mercy was neat as well. They had a core of five women um, dancing um, for that part. So, yeah, it ended up, uh, you know, I would definitely go see their next show, which is coming up um, in February. And, yeah, we look forward to seeing more of, like, what City Ballet is doing now that they have their new artistic vision right, going on. Right, yeah. Um Okay, so that was one show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, on Friday, uh, just a couple of days ago, we went and saw the Alberta Ballet show. In yes. Fact, speaking of Alberta Ballet. <laughs> well, it was presented to buy Alberta Ballet. Right, yes, right. Yeah. Paul Taylor Dance Company came mm-hmm. to town. Who is Paul Taylor? Uh, yes, I think as we mentioned during their, our helium, helium the games. helium years, <laughs> as they'll forever um, Paul Taylor is basically one of the last living choreographers of his generation, which was kind of the like second wave of modern dance. Okay. Um, so, you know, he studied with Martha Graham and um, Merce Cunningham and yeah. Sure. And is there like a, can you think of sort of like the, what the impact of that generation of dance was or what it was sort of uh, known for perhaps? Um, well, I think that, uh, 
these dances, like per, in particular Esplanade, and we'll get into the pieces that we actually there were three, saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was less about storytelling and more about joy and pure movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the really, although I mean, like when we saw Ailey, la, Ailey two last year, and they did Revelations, you know, that was another sort of like seminal piece of modern dance that has now been preserved, and it still has great relevance and meaning. Right. Um, and I still have like a freaking great. Dance to watch sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i think that uh you know paul taylor's influence has influenced many many dancers um after him um he is 85 or 86 years old now Whoa. and still still doing his thing great and yeah. and yeah uh, so we saw we saw three pieces as part of this uh this uh showcase of his stuff i guess mm-hmm um, and all of them, I guess, what struck me was that uh, they were very theatrical and they were all very different in tone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, let's start, I guess, off the top with Company B. What did what were your thoughts on on Company B? Ah, uh, Company B. A. Um, that was a letter joke, I guess. <laughs> um, it was interesting. Uh, uh, it was sort of this uh, war story, I guess, for lack of a better term. All the costuming was um, was sort of wartime. Uh, and it was sort of a, a mix of that, like, uh, naive, like, boys serving their country proud and the ladies who love them back home, um, sort of occasionally juxtaposed with these sort of more uh, sad or, or realistic moments, like mm-hmm. like someone sort of uh, having, like, a little bit of post-trauma in their, their slick solo, you know, where they would have these moments where they would just um, uh, freak out or... Uh, these men sort of silhouetted marching behind whatever this sort of uh, lighter scene was happening beforehand. But these sort of reminders of the grim realities of war, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, It was. Um, you know, it, it, like it was very easy to get. You, sure. you got exactly what they were saying. Um, they, the music was always sort of like very cheerful and bouncy. They, yeah, it was the, all Andrew's sister songs. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, so all the all the harmonies, like, um, you know, and a lot of it was actually kind of funny and playful too, mm-hmm. like when they did the uh, Oh Johnny song with they had the kind of nerdy guy, right, had a, which was signified <laughs> by horn rim glasses, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just sort of running around and being fawned over by all the ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, also in the background, these other sort of like silhouetted men would occasionally show up and mm-hmm. be like, "Right, there's a war going on." Well, like this like beautiful thing happens at home. Yeah, so, there's all these like really cheerful and and like flirtatious like, people dancing mm-hmm. with each other, and then these like yeah, just kind of like grim images. Like there's there were a few moments where there would be a lot of um, activity and dancing and and kind of joyful bounciness Mm -hmm. and then one of the dancers male dancers would just sort of like fall down on the stage and lay there right yeah a lot of a lot of scenes ended like with like oh someone died yeah (laughs) um but but the tone never really shifted that much these Mm -hmm. were just sort of these little images presented as reminders but it was still very upbeat it's not like it got very heavy-handed with its Mm -hmm. its message on war or the realities of war it was just sort of they were just presented as realities that were going on in the background yeah and the quality of movement itself throughout the piece other than the sort of more somber silhouette type things um it was all just very bouncy swing dancing you know a lot of finger snapping (laughs) yeah some really funny moments just like Mm -hmm. shimmies and like boogies yeah a lot of of boogies boogies. oh the solo the soloist who did the boogie woogie bugle boy Mm -hmm. it was great he was fantastic he was the one who was sort of have these little moments of like almost like post-traumatic stress freak out like Mm -hmm. he would do these sort of like slick his hair back all these sort of real big character moves and then he would have these little like freak outs yeah 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 Mm -hmm. so um that piece was originally performed in 1991 
Um, and just, yeah, the style of it was, you know, they're all kind of like in whites and khakis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, th- I thought that it kind of probably inspired the Gap khaki commercial. Okay. I'm just going to put that out there. Unsubstantiated, <laughs> but potentially. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, still a classic piece. The music stood up, the choreography stood up, and it was it was easy and lovely to watch. Yeah, it actually. is interesting to, in my mind to do like an anti, an, I, well, I don't want to necessarily say anti-war piece, but like a World War II style piece and sort of choreograph that in 1991. I'm try, Like while I was watching it, I was trying to place like why that would happen now mm-hmm. and so, or, or then, I guess. Yeah, where did it come from mm-hmm. at that time when they were when they made it initially? Right, right. Um, yeah, so that was Company B. Then there was an intermission. And then we went on to um, a completely different style mm-hmm. of piece with Piazzolla Caldera. Yeah, which was like a, a tango, a tango about fucking, um, <laughs> basically. It was sort of yeah, like... Yeah, um, pretty much, yeah. These two, it was a, like, a, like a sexy West Side story um, yeah. moment where it was like, it started off with like a gang of cool, tough boys and a gang of two cool, tough girls. And everybody sort of like uh, paired up in sometimes twos, sometimes threes, sometimes fours, and did these sort of like sultry dances with one another. Yeah, the movement was all really about like fucking. yeah, about fucking yes, and but really intense and tight. Um, so they used a lot of tango inspired style, mm-hmm. um, leg kicks, things like that. Of course, the girls with their skirts were just wonderful. And um, uh, but again, it was it was about relationships, but there was no love in these relationships. It was just about, about fucking yeah. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, and I guess what struck me about all of these pieces was um, they all felt so theatrical, and I don't know if that's sort of a component of the era Paul Taylor uh, was was working in and sort of came out of, but all of them felt like they could have been like uh, a, a very good dance scene in a musical. Like the, then, like the song would end, and we get back to the rest of the theater show. Like mm-hmm. they seemed that theatrical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found the the movement in Piet and the choreography in Piazzolla was really. Um, it was kind of an, a different level. Like Company B was really fun and kind of loose a little bit, whereas this one, um, they were doing some crazy unconventional lifts. Mm-hmm. Um, some like one-armed catches with people like running across the stage and just jumping onto another person. Just like leaping eight or nine feet into another person's arms. And yeah, there were a couple of um, a couple of uh, male duos that were dancing together that did some great lifts as well. Like mm-hmm. there's one part I remember that um, there's a, one of the dancers Dancers is back is facing the audience and the, the other male dancer just kind of basically runs up and like onto his shoulders yeah. you don't even see how they do it but yeah. it was just really impressive yeah these sort of like these feats of of uh of sexy dancing yeah well what did you think of the of the choreography in this piece? um uh what what came through uh i guess it was um the intention was very clear um fucking um but <laughs> Uh, but it was like, uh, it was good. It was really, um, especially when having just come off of sort of the fun lightness of Company B, um, seeing something that was so intense and dramatic and had these big uh, power moves and these big jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, there was sometimes when someone would just sort of climb over and under a person or they'd be sort of these like uh, two-person falls, I guess, for lack of a mm-hmm. better term, where someone would sort of be upside down on someone and then they would fall backwards so the second person could help uh, catch that the, the first person but it was sort of mm-hmm. this strange like human amalgamation yeah um, yeah and also just rolling around together on the stage you know like there's yeah. definitely definitely lots of 
figurative sex happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, in that way, though, I think, I mean, it went by so quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the actual time difference think, between the pieces. I think it was the shortest piece, for mm-hmm. sure, of the three. But it was, watching it just kind of went by so, so quickly. And, it, yeah, it was also enjoyable <laughs> to watch just the pure movement of it. Um, very, mm-hmm. you kind of, after watching Company B first, you kind of got the sense that, you know, like, oh, you know, they're kind of, they can seem a little loosey-goosey and stuff, mm-hmm. whereas... Um, Piazzolo was so technically um, intense and tight and just like a really, you could see the range of the performers more. Yeah, for sure. and I feel like that's something we don't necessarily, we haven't seen uh, so much in programs well, since we've been doing this podcast where the range is so different, like mm. tonally, dance style wise, music wise, everything shifted between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still at a very uh, high caliber and quality of, of dance, of, of, of movement, of costuming, of design. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, production-wise, the, the Company B had no nothing else on stage. It was just dance. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Piazzolla also just had some, like, low-hanging lights yep. that at some point started moving, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, sexy lights. Sexy lights. Getting into it. Yeah. Even, even yeah. The, the set couldn't hold back. Yeah. And um, then Esplanade, of course, also had no kind of set. Like, they're all basically done against a blank wall. Yeah. Um, which like I thought was kind of... of lights. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, like a lot of other companies now we see they do they have a lot more um uh, production i guess involved with it too sure mm-hmm. um but this was your your favorite perhaps of the three or or would you say that um i don't you know okay. what like i really liked all of them mm-hmm. <laughs> um piazzola though was just yeah it was it, technically the actual dancing in it was the Coolest. I'm trying to sure. think of a better word. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing's better than cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, but but tell us about this. Is the oldest dance the third one? Uh, Esplanade. Yeah. yeah. So Piazzolla was done in. Hold on a second. Ninety seven. Yeah. yeah. And so Esplanade is forty years old. Esplanade was originally done in nineteen seventy five. And if you feel so inclined, you can go look on YouTube at the original nineteen seventy five um, production. <laughs> very seventies, and yeah. the film style does not hold up. I, no, I would argue the actual film itself. Like you know, I before I went into because um, I wrote the preview for mm-hmm. View Weekly. Um, before I went into interview, um, uh, Parisa Cobde, who uh, dances with the Paul Taylor Dance Company, I watched this video of Esplanade, and um, just it did, for some reason I just couldn't get into it. I said, "Why is this dance famous? Why is this mm-hmm. dance still around?" Right, because it is sort mm-hmm. of one of these textbook legendary modern dances. Oh yeah, but then we saw it, right. and I, I thought, "Oh, that's why." <laughs> so tell us about that, Fonda. What was it that that sort of going from that that uh, that jilted sort of film version to this version? Mm-hmm. Um, what was it that that really made it feel so alive? Uh, it it was really the actual connection of of people and the dancers. Mm-hmm. The dance I- itself is very simple. Um, a lot of it just looks like people walking around on the stage mm-hmm. um, in lines and different formations and stuff. But there there's this sort of like relentless churn of bodies and motion and and actual partnerships. People mm-hmm. looking into each other's eyes. Um, and it's it it's set to um, box violin concertos. And um, yeah, the idea of it. So Esplanade is like a promenade or like a place where people are walking. Sure. Um, 
And so, walk they did. And walk they did. And so, but, and then, and then they were also running and sprinting. And it sounds, it sounds so simple, but it was really beautiful to watch. Yeah, there was something that was very hard to place what it was that made it so immensely watchable. Like, not the movement itself wasn't, uh, wasn't particularly dramatic. Like, it wasn't these huge sort of movements, but um, in all of this small gesture and small subtleties, like, it all added up to something that was just like really. Uh, really uh, fun and enjoyable to take in. It had this real sense of fun and joy to it that was really pervasive. Yeah, there was just this sort of natural exuberance to people doing like baseball slides yeah. and, you know, and also leaping into each other's arms. And there was another part, um, a duet in it where a man is laying on, on the floor and the woman is actually standing on him yeah. and doing different movements. And it's like, it looks, you know, like, ow, that that looks like that could really hurt. But, yeah, I mean, it's also just like they just looked like they were having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was that sense of fun. If the first, if Company B sort of had this, um, this like a different sort of fun, this very stylized fun, this one just felt like a little more timeless, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's it is there weren't like signifiers for particular times or eras. Like the music gave it a certain tone and the costuming, which was very... Um, minimal, just sort of like pastel-colored dresses and tight shirts. Yeah, yeah. They preserved the, like, peaches and oranges and pinks of the original production. Yep. We'll leave it at that. And they did. <laughs> um, but, but there was just something in that that, that was like, yeah, this is just a, a quality thing to watch. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, after we've been doing this podcast for a while, you've seen a lot of contemporary mm-hmm. uh, dance. What did you think of this this style, like the this kind of modern era style? Sure. I guess, like I was saying before, it felt more theatrical, perhaps, more more like directly theatrical in terms of uh, the big costuming and the style was very came uh, came through very clearly in a lot of these. Um, that's what stands out um, uh, for a lot of it. Like the movements themselves were uh, weren't always. There would either be like these sort of big leaps, but um, it wasn't about sort of these showy moves. I guess it mm-hmm. wasn't always about uh, seeing this incredible moment happen. It was just how all of these little components and movements built into this this really watchable thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the idea, maybe if you want to say like the theory or the theme behind the dances was not, it wasn't complex. It no. was actually really pure and simple. So it became much more about the movement as opposed to what they were trying to say. Right. Yeah. It is just about sort of like, uh, yeah, holding your attention with the quality of movement and and how it was being presented in the style. And I think all three of them really showed uh, different versions of that. uh, Mm -hmm. That was that was quite nice and showed a uh, what you I mean, for a company that's, you know, decades and decades old, you'd hope, but has a lot of variety, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and change within that. Yeah. So what do you think it is maybe about um, some of these dances? What What do you think will make them last? Like, do you, do you think that's the stuff that we see now that's contemporary dance? Um, will we be watching those same choreographies in 40 years like we're watching Esplanade? Uh, that's a great question. I think what made these ones uh, really hold up uh, is they were all very uh, rooted in relationships. And that's something that uh, comes through even in very abstract when we see groups of people interacting and um, uh, finding partnerships and duos and and uh, whether it's like uh, sexual or not, it's not just about like uh, boning. Not uh, always about sex. <laughs> not always, although that one dance um, was about boning. Um, but uh, it's something about that, I think, that makes it uh, watchable. And then if the movement itself, because we're, we're sort of talking in, in abstracts, if that uh, can still hold your attention 40 years after it was first debuted, you know, I think that's, mm-hmm. that speaks to something 
um, innate of just watching people go through uh, motion and feet and sort of drawing your attention in with just the the sheer things they can do with their bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I mean like the most storied ballets that have survived for a really long time too are also at, at, at their core about relationships. Right. Um, you know, Swan Lake and, mm -hmm. and Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. those. So yeah, in those ways I think that um, Esplanade, like that is a dance that I think it will, I hope it will never die. Mm -hmm. Like and I do, I, I think after seeing it um, and being nonplussed by the video for right. it to begin with hopefully that um, will uh, I think it but I I think the contrast between what we saw what I saw on the video and what I actually saw on stage was that is why dance live dance is still so important and and we need to have these things performed and not just preserved right yeah and so yeah. it it is important for audience to you know witness these things right because they're history it has to be a living document not just like a film you watch and sort of stare blankly at yeah yeah or you know i like how dances get preserved there's video and there's certain types of dance notation but yeah no the real preservation i think actually happens in when an audience gets to see it done and done well um, so yeah, that was a real treat, and I think that Alberta Ballet um, like really won uh, a home run with this one, and being able to bring the Paul Taylor Dance Company here, which has never been to Alberta even before. Right. Yeah. Cool. So that was that was that. That was that was a few weeks in dance. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what's coming up, Fonda? What's on the agenda? Oh, we got like all sorts of things coming up. So um, first up is uh, Subarctic Improv and Experimental Arts. It's a new series that Mile Zero Dance, um, or they're doing through Mile Zero Dance at the at Spacio Performativo. Yep. Um, that one's on November nineteenth, and it's kind of. Um, I, I would like to say that it's sort of like a follow-up to Mile Zero's older Salon series. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like a, a mix of lots of artists and, and things. I haven't yeah. been to one yet, but I'm hoping to go to this next right. one. Um, what's after that? Uh, after that, we have uh, Convergence, which is Good Women Dance Company's annual showcase, uh, which is happening November 26th to 28th. Mm -hmm. And I believe they're working with an outside choreographer with this one. Usually they, they present one of their own works, uh, but this one they brought someone in to choreograph. Yeah, they're working with um, Montreal's Melanie Demers from Mayday Dance, um, and also Calgary artist Kayla Henry is mm -hmm. doing a piece. And um, yeah, so Richard Lee is going to be back with them as well. Right. And then they're doing a piece called The Dead Amuse. Um, so yeah, it's it's November 26th through 28th at Looney Teatro. And um, I'm going to be there on November 27th hosting their post-show chat. Cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm really excited about is uh, I'm taking a trip to Banff to go see Ballet BC's yeah, yeah, 30th. Yeah. 30th anniversary. Brag, brag, um, brag. There are, it's a, a trio of pieces. One of them is called Solo Echo by Crystal Pite, which I am very stoked to see. A uh, new work by um, Belgian Steen Kellis? Silis? I'm sure. Totally, yeah. There's a new work. And then another piece called 28,000 Waves by Keitano Soto. Um, so that's Ballet BC um, Banff, November 21st. And uh, then, and then we get into Nutcracker season. Yeah, it's full on Nutcracker season. There's a there's a ballet from coming here. Not the Moscow Ballet, mm -hmm. but there's a Moscow Ballet. Yeah, that's that's coming to present a Nutcracker here. It's called they they are called the Moscow Ballet, but not to be confused with the Bolshoi Ballet, which is the real Moscow Ballet. Um, but yes, they're doing a Nutcracker at the Meyer Horowitz. Alberta Ballet's Nutcracker is December 10th to 13th at the Jube. And also Shumka has a version of the Nutcracker called Clara's Dream that's going to be at the Jubilee as well sometime in December. 
Great, and that's that's the next little while. Yeah, lots of stuff to see. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great watching and, and talking and uh, doing some helium things. Yeah, some helium <laughs> things. Great. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Go watch some dance. Bye. I Don't Get It is a podcast produced by Poglino, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul. It was recorded in a blanket fort in the Tall House on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta. Our website is idontgetitdance.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sit here thinking.